Uh, as they're leaving, um, just got back from a couple of weeks in Hawaii, and a couple of people have asked, how was it? If you've ever been to Hawaii, you know you don't have to ask that. Uh, I don't know how the weather can be perfect for 10 days, 14 days straight, but uh, somehow it is. The second question that people have asked me is, did you get to surf? The answer to that is no, I did not. Uh, for, for two reasons. One, uh, we stayed on the North Shore, and the first day we got there, we went out to check the waves, and I am not exaggerating, the waves were the first beach we went to, they were 25 feet tall, of which I decided I'm not going to go out there, because uh, I wanted to come back, and I would not have come back had I gone out there. Uh, the rest of the places that we could go to, the surf was actually too small for me to, to be able to surf, which tells you a little bit about my ability to surf. If it's not a perfect wave, it's really hard for me to get up, uh, hard for me to interact with that. So uh, today is, uh, we're going to continue working through our series, and I want to talk about the role or the impact that we have on the children that just left our, our, our room. Uh, to me, uh, the definition of being an adult is you come to the place where you realize the purpose of my life is to make sure I prepare them to succeed. That's the purpose of my life. That's what an adult does. And so we're going to begin to work through that impact. We're going to take a couple of things for granted. One thing we're going to take for granted is this. You as parents have a huge, you have the most impact on your children. You are the one that has by far the most impact. But what if you don't have children? And what if you, you're, you're not even married? You don't even plan on having children. I want to say to you as well, you have a huge impact on children. You, you don't necessarily know the impact. We don't have time to work through the people in your life that impacted you as a child. They weren't your parents. They may not have had kids, but they had a huge impact on you. The other piece you may have never thought of is the impact you have on parents. The person across the room, the amazing impact you have on the person across the room and how they make decisions and the way that they impact their children because of the way that you live. So as we uh, begin today, a um, couple of uh, kind of step backs. This is a different message than uh, what I would usually give. A um, couple of things. One is it may come off that I'm wagging my finger at you. I, I do not want to do that. I'm not telling you I won't do that. I'm telling you I don't want to do that. So when it feels that way, just go, yeah, he doesn't really mean to do that. He just got carried away. Uh, so that's one piece of it. Uh, the next piece is the understanding that what, what I'm going to talk to you about really has a little bit to do, quite a bit to do with whether or not you've interacted with God's grace. And so in our church, we set out to reach people who don't go to church. And we've been pretty successful at that. A, a good number of you either came from a, when you went to church when you were a little kid, you had a really bad experience and you said, I'm not going to church anymore, or you really haven't hardly gone to church much at all. And so when you came to Skyline, you walked through the doors expecting us to be what you expected of church, which was the reason for church is to find out what God says and then feel guilty that you're not doing it. You expected to be judged when you walk in that you weren't good, living a good enough life and we're disgusted with you because you weren't. But as you hung around a little bit, you found out that there's this thing called grace. And that really 
what God did was he gave his life and he wanted to enter into a relationship with you whereby he gives you everything by grace. He did the paying. He does the giving. He does the calling. He does all that work in your life. And he changes you on the inside out. But that sets us up for a dangerous thing to happen. And I've heard it. I've, I've heard it from our church. I've heard it from parents. I've heard it from others. And it's a, it's a real problem that we have to figure out how to solve. And that's this. This idea that, okay, because it's God's grace, because it's by grace, then God doesn't care about the rules. That God doesn't care about the rules. We just have this great relationship, and it doesn't really matter how we live our lives because God's grace is just going to cover it all anyway. That sets us up to destroy our children. Because you see, mom and dad, our role is to be adults. Our role is to help our children with how do you make great decisions. How, not just how do you do it, but actually training them in the ability to make great decisions. Now we have another piece of the puzzle, and that's the culture that you live in. Now, for many of you, you're actually coming out of a culture where you didn't know what the Bible said. And so a lot of things are new pieces. Um, one, of the, one of the clearest, newest pieces that really surprises people is when you, be start, you start to work on your marriage and we tell the men, yeah, your mom is not the most important person in the world, your wife is. They're like, what? Never heard that before. Yeah, call your wife every day, stop calling your mom every day. Like, oh, I didn't know that, right? I didn't know that. It's, it's, it's totally different. For many of you, you're trying to make decisions coming from a culture that was different than what the Bible says. For all of us, we live in a culture where our culture hates what the Bible says. It hates it. It mocks it. Turn on the uh, late night comedy shows. It is a constant stream of mocking what the Bible says is good. It's a consistent part of your life. So how do you make decisions in that process? How do you train your kids to succeed? You don't want them to fall into the, the, into the trap of, look, it's all about rules, do the rules, and then it's going to be okay. So how do you, but if you don't set really good, solid rules, practices, foundational principles, then they're going to go the way of the world. Where this began to hit, I actually knew I was going to talk about this. This, this hit me when I was, uh, we were in, in Hawaii, we went to one of those things where they uh, give you shows about the different Polynesian islands and what it was like, and we went to the Tonga one. And the, the guy started his talk off by going, all right, the first thing I want you to know that is in, in, that, that in Tonga, when our kids are four years old, they begin to go to work for the adults. And they work for the adults from the time they're four years old till the time they're 15 years old. Now, somebody in the room actually really helped me because they went, what? Like, that's terrible. 
Why? Because you live in a culture that says that adults exist to work for children. You live, in exalt, you live in a culture where teenagers set the style of clothing that you wear and the music that you listen to. Not adults. Now, what is that creating? We don't have much time for this, and you may disagree with this. You can research it, or we can interact this later. When you grow up as a child learning to serve adults, you have purpose and meaning, and almost always joy. You just do. When you grow up in our culture, what do you get? You get what we have. We have a generation of children that have psychological problems. Major psychological problems. They cut themselves. There's people who are nine years old going, I want to kill myself. How did that happen? Well, we don't know all the details. We just know that our culture is not creating a place where children can grow up and succeed. It's a narcissistic culture. It teaches that what your life is about is you being happy. One of the things we teach in Reengage is a pretty simple principle. God did not intend marriage to make you happy. There's no place in the Bible that the Bible goes, you need to get married so you can be happy. Matter of fact, the Bible says... You need to double think this getting married idea because it has a lot of trouble. Wait, what? If you go into marriage, if you train your children that going into marriage means, yeah, that, you need to choose the person that's going to make you happy. You've set them up to succeed. How do we do this? Well, I can't explain all of how we do this, but I want to warn you today. I'm after a very specific thing. Uh, I actually started this message trying to get to a, a very specific place, and we're going to get there. But there's, there's just one simple principle I want to teach you. And we're going to do that by going back to the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, there was, uh, God had called the nation of Israel out of Egypt where they were slaves. And he had a leader, his name was Moses, and Moses led them out of the nation, out of Egypt led them to the promised land, but then they rebelled, so they had to spend 40 years in the wilderness. And during this time, God taught him his, their word. God taught them his word. And they had teachers that passed it on to teachers, that passed it on to teachers, and then leaders, that their responsibility was to lead them to follow God's word. And then um, Moses died, and, the, and Joshua took over, and it was time for them to go into the land. So they went into the land, and God was crystal clear. What I want you to do when you go into the land is, I want you to wipe out everybody in the land. We don't have time to work through why that is, other than the fact that these were evil people who God had warned for 400 years. And they said, no God, no God, no God, no God. And they, they, they sacrificed their children. They had practices that were, were devastating. And God said, their time is done. And you need to wipe them out because if you do not wipe them out, then you're going to begin to worship their gods and you'll fall away from me. And Joshua went in and they, they wiped out a lot of it, but not all of it. And they divided them up into different uh, kind of different states in a sense. They were tribes under each of, of the 12 children of Israel. Um, except for the Levites, the Levites were the priests. So they were supposed to spread throughout the land and serve as priests throughout the, throughout the land. They didn't get their own, their own area. 
So we're going to pick this up because then comes the time of the judges. The time of the judges is when Joshua has died and they began to practice something that we're going to see in this passage that our culture, that you as parents and those who influence parents, uh, you are in danger of this every day. You are faced with it every day. Uh, We're going to pick it up at uh, chapter 17. And this fairly long passage will teach just a little bit as we work through it. He says, now a man named Micah from the hill country of Ephraim said to his mother, the 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from you and about which I heard you utter a curse, I have that silver with me. I took it. Then his mother said, oh, Lord, bless you, my son. When he returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, she said, I solemnly consecrate my silver to the Lord. Now, this sounds good, right? She gets the silver back, and her first response is, okay, God, thank you for this. And next, I'm going to consecrate this silver to the Lord. She's a spiritual person. She's interacting with God. This, This sounds good. She says, I solemnly consecrate my silver to the Lord for my son to make an image overlaid with silver. I will give it back to you. Well, while they were in the wilderness, the second commandment that they were given was never make an image. Don't make an idol. Don't ever worship God through an idol. Don't ever worship God through a thing. He's alive, so you can worship him as your God. So after he returned the silver to his mother, she took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to a silversmith who used them to make the idol. And it was put in Micah's house. Now this man, Micah, had a shrine and he made an ephod and some household gods and installed one of his sons as his priest. So this guy is spiritual. And he talks about Jehovah. But he also has these other gods. His shrine is where he worships. He cares that God will bless him. He wants God to bless him. He even takes his own son and sets him as a a priest, a way to get to God through this priest. In those days, Israel had no king. Here's the key line. Everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone did as they saw fit. In another translation, it says, everyone did as they saw right in their own eyes. Now, what do you know about our culture? In our culture, how do you decide what's right and wrong? As a matter of fact, if they came in and they were going to interview for the news, would you tell them what you think is right and wrong? Would you declare publicly what you believe to be right and wrong? No, you wouldn't. Not if you have any wisdom, you wouldn't. Why not? You're not allowed to say something is right. You're not allowed. It's called judgmental. And if it goes on the news, you might get fired. There are issues that if you said this is right, you might get fired. That's the culture that you live in. Why? Because this culture has a very clear mandate. Only 
Everyone, every person has a, the right to decide for themselves what is right. What you think is right, that's right for you. What you think is right, that's right for you. What you think is right, that's right for you. What do you think that does to a child? What do you think that does to a teenager? Does that set them up to succeed? Or is the whole pressure of the whole world on them? Because now it's their job to decide what's right and what's wrong. A young Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, who had been living with the clan of Judah, left that town in search of some other place to stay. On his way, he came to Micah's house in the hill country of Ephraim. Micah asked him, where are you from? I'm a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah. So this, the, the Levites were specifically the, the, to serve as priests throughout the land. So this is not wrong. He said, and I'm looking for a place to stay. Then Micah said to him, live with me and be my father and priest, and I will give you 10 shekels of silver a year, your clothes and your food. So what he's going to do is he's going to hire this priest just to serve his house. Uh, don't think of a house as being husband, wife, and one child. A house usually was a family. It was a large family. So the Levite agreed to live with him, and the young man became like one of his sons to him. Then Micah installed the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in his house. And Micah said, now I know that the Lord will be good to me since this Levite has become my priest how did he view God? He was very spiritual. He had, a, he had a shrine set up in his house. He was going to lead his family to worship. How did he view God? He viewed God that God was there to make his life better. Our entire culture views God that God is there to make your life better. If you're not careful... That's how you interact with God. The truth is, we're there to serve God. Now, I'm going to go back to where I started. I know there can be lots of conversation about this, but this is basically true. A child who grows up knowing that he is there to serve his family I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about, he's like, I have a purpose in life. My purpose is to serve my family, the people around me. He is set up for joy. The person who's raised to believe that my family is here to serve me, I would go so far as to say is guaranteed misery. See, what they did was they mixed what God said was true and what others said was true. They didn't throw out Jehovah. They just set up Jehovah as one of their gods. One of the ways, and what are gods for? Gods are to make my life better. And so I mixed them. So 
the book actually ends with, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. The book of Judges is really uncomfortable to read. The worst story in the book of Judges is that there's a man who is, uh, has a, a, his concubine with him, and he's traveling, and he goes to these people's house, and in the Middle East, the hospitality, which means you protect the person who comes to visit your house above everything, is their highest value. The men of the town come to this guy's house and go, we want to have sex with that guy who came here. And the guy goes, no, 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 I can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. And uh, he says, you know what? You can have my daughter and his concubine. And they take the two and they abuse them so bad sexually. In the morning, the concubine comes back, she lays at the door, and he comes out and he finds her dead. You're like, why would that be in the Bible? Why would God let his people do that? Because whenever you take and you decide what is right, not based on what God said was right, but you go, I'm going to take what God says and I'm going to mix it with what he says and what experts say and what I think and what I've experienced and what my family says. I'm going to mix those two things together. Bad things happen. Really bad things happen. In another one, there's a, there's a guy who he actually is, uh, he's the, his father has uh, sex with a concubine, with actually a prostitute. And he's the son of the prostitute. And when they get of age, the rest of the family says, you can have none of the, none of the inheritance. You're out uh, because you're not from our mother. And so he goes off and lives someplace else, and scoundrels, the uh, Bible literally says, scoundrels join him, and he's off living his life, and then there's trouble that comes from another tribe or uh, another enemy, and they're attacking these. So these guys go get him. They go, would you lead us out of this? We're really in trouble. So he comes back, and he says to God, he says, God, listen, I'm going to do this. I need you. Again, he addresses God. He wants God to be there to help him. In his life, he wants God to bless him. He says, God, whatever walks out of my house, when I get back, I will sacrifice to you. He goes off, he does it, he wins, he comes back. His daughter walks out of the house. And then he carries it through and sacrifices his daughter. You're like, that's not what God wants. That's exactly right. That's not what God wants. The idea behind the book is when you make decisions based on what you think is right, terrible things happen. When you raise your kids so they're making decisions based on what they think is right, if you don't give them a standard, a place to go where they can find real truth and they can trust it, they mix it. It's bad when we mix it. So my question to you is this. What will your children learn from you? What will your children learn from you? We do what is right in our own eyes. What are we talking about? We're talking about morality. We're talking about modesty. Do you know I never talk about modesty? 
in church. You know why? I haven't figured out how to say it in such a way that we won't judge each other. And I haven't figured out to, how to say it in such a way that you, you would be able to wrestle with it and not just think I'm attacking you. But guess what, mom and dad? It's your responsibility to build into your young lady's life that sex is sacred and that every part of their body that's used for sex is sacred. Don't show it to the world. That's your job. How are you going to do that in this culture that will mock you to no end if you help them take these steps? We're, we're talking about money. What's the role of money in a person's life? What's the role of if I'm able to make a lot of money or should I pour my whole life into that? Who's gonna, how are you going to help people understand what your children is, what honor is? And where, you, where you've crossed the line and you're going after money and you traded in honor for the money. Well, the way they learn those things is they watch you. You don't sit down and have a lesson. I mean, you might, but that's not how they're going to learn it. They're going to watch you. How do you make your decisions? Do you, have you decided that God knows what he's talking about? Have you decided that, you know what, mixing the way I grew up with God's word. The way that I see the experts say it, the way that I interact with my friends, and I just want to take all of these things, I want to put them together. And, and you may be a very Jesus person. You might talk about Jesus a lot, and you, you, might, you might really, really love Jesus. But if you make your decisions based on taking what Jesus says and what this person says and these other persons, and you weigh those together, you're teaching them that you're the ultimate person who decides what's right. You decide what's right. When does that happen? It happens when you hit really hard situations. It happens when you're in a marriage that brings you no joy. They haven't cheated on you. It just brings you no joy. And so you add it all together and you're like, I need to get a divorce because I want to be happy. That means you decided, not God decided. Or, will your children learn from you, we do what God says is right. We do what God says is right. Now, this is where I started the message. I started the message with, uh, I knew we were talking about children, and there's something I wanted to talk to you about. It's your attitude toward their involvement in the ministries. This is just one little area. It's where I started. That we have developed or that we use to help your children know what God says is right. To help your children grow in their relationship. So in the morning we have, uh, in the first service we have Awana, 
which is, uh, they end up getting a book like this, which has Bible verses in it, explanations, way to interact with it. Uh, which, by the way, many of you grew up not memorizing the Bible, so you don't really know what the Bible says. That leaves you handicapped. You make really bad decisions because you don't even know what the Bible says. So my question is, when you decide whether or not your child is going to be faithful to Awana, or what we do in this service, which is uh, our Sky Kids, where they send home these little, little papers, and you have an opportunity to have devotions with your child every night. This one, you get a chance to go over memory verses with them, which, by the way, if you do this, you will learn the Bible. It's amazing what happens. When these come home, how do you make the decision whether or not that's going to be a priority in your life? That you're going to be faithful to that. You're going to do that without miss. How do you, how do you make the decision that you're going to be here every week? See, we went, we went to do service for a reason that we wanted our children's workers to be able to work every week. Why would we want that? Because we want them to build a relationship with your child where when they're working through biblical things, they can really know them and really interact with them. It destroys it when they only come every third week or they come here or there and whatnot. How did you make that decision? I don't, I don't want to wag my finger at you. I want you to wrestle with this. How are you making these decisions in your life? Have you decided this is what God says to do and that's what we're going to do? Or do you have other idols in your home that you need to take into consideration when you make these decisions? The next thing is the riot in the senior high. And these are junior hires and senior hires. At this level of their life, they're making their own decisions about where they're going to head spiritually. But I hear something that that, that, man, I just, I don't want to hear anymore. I should actually step out. That's not part of the message. Scratch that. I hear that your, your child says, you know, I don't like it that much. So they don't come. They're inconsistent. How did you make that decision? Like, did you go, you know, that's what God wants. And I'm their parent, and so I've decided, and as a junior hire, they can decide that. Did you get that from the Bible? Or did you get that because you're mixing things? There's other idols out there that you're interacting with. Especially when they do activities to build relationships. Sometimes I think you look at these activities and you're like, oh, they do that for fun. It's not that big a deal. Trust me. Our leaders don't go, I'm bored to death. I need something fun to do. I'm going to invite a bunch of junior hires over to my house. That is not what happens. You see, it's really important that your children build relationships with other kids that are going through these things together. So they can wrestle with these. So they can get to the place where they can be honest with each other and wrestle with these things. How are you making those decisions in your life? 
The last passage we're going to look at says this. This is from Hebrews. So how do you do this? How do you do it? Well, the wrong way to do it is you decide what is right based on your own eyes. You look at situation, you go, well, I'm going to consider all these things, and Jesus is one of them. Here's the right way to do it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus looked at the situation and only considered what God the Father said was right. Now here's the part that doesn't fit our culture. He lost. You need to understand, he lost. To everybody who was watching that situation happen, he was a man who came along, made a bunch of promises, and died. Now we live in the land of fruit, where we're like, no, it was awesome what he did. For 2,000 years, he's been changing the, the world. He's been changing people's lives. He changed my life. That's right. But you see, when you choose to do what is right, you rarely see the fruit at the moment that you choose it. When you choose to do what is wrong, you rarely see the fruit when you choose it. All the decisions that our culture is making right now, that they're so cocky about, they think they know so much about, it's probably not going to impact their lives. It's their kids' lives it's going to destroy. Same things in reverse. When you choose to do what is right, when you, it's the Bible that you make your decisions from, you may look like you're losing. But it's going to have an incredible impact in the future. Have you let idols have you invited idols into your house? And so you, you, you make decisions according to what you think is right. Or have you decided, no, no. I'm going to fight this fight. I'm going to find out what the Bible says. I'm going to follow what the Bible says. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these people. Lord, help us. Give us the courage. Give us the strength. Give us the, the wisdom. Help us to see the idols in our lives and throw them away. In your name we pray. Amen.